Uh, welcome back to the Enneagram Panels podcast. I am Jim Zartman, and I am here with Enneagram coach Joel Hubbard. And we are about to round the corner from the body triad with the 8, 9, and 1 to the heart triad with the 2, 3, and 4, starting today with the 2. Yeah, so we are, as you just said, Jim, we're entering into the heart triad. And there's a distinct difference when you go from body types to heart types. And you you heard it in the first series of panels that we did, and you're going to hear it again. Um, these are uh, some really warm types. They're beautiful people. We had uh, some who'd been doing work on themselves as their type for many years. And that's that's really remarkable to watch people who have been doing it for a while and all the things that they've learned about themselves. And then we also had somebody who's fairly new to discovering that they're a type two and, and what does that mean? And and then how do you grow? So type twos, their attention goes out to the world around them and they scan and read the emotions of the world and then respond accordingly. And so for twos, they tend to forget their own needs and pay attention to the needs of the world around them. And as they do that, they also have this sort of resistance to their own needs. I mean, they, they really get like, this is, I, you know, I don't have any needs. I can't have any needs. And so sometimes it comes across as pride, which is why it's called the vice of the two is that I'm okay. I'm not the one in need of anything. The world around me is in need of help. And this belief that my needs will be met as I meet the needs of others. Yeah. Yeah. Until that doesn't work. And when that doesn't work, then the two uh, begins to shut down from being this person that tends to give and give and give and give. And so the work of the two really goes towards what are my needs and then expressing them. And it takes so much humility and, and vulnerability, and it's a really difficult process for them. Again, for a lot of other types, it seems strange that, a, that you wouldn't know what your needs are or you couldn't express them or – but for the for the twos, this is the real struggle. And so we are patient with the type twos. We're patient with all types to understand if they're having a hard time uh, discerning what's going on internally. That's what we want to uh, give to them. But that's their work. And it is a big challenge for them uh, to get to the place where they can know what their own needs are and then articulate them and actually receive help and service from other people around them. You mentioned type twos falling asleep to their needs. And could you make a distinction here? Because often type two and type nine do get mixed up. They do. And they, they're um, called lookalikes because both do this thing. Both fall asleep to their own internal needs. So type nines fall asleep to their needs and to their desires and to their thoughts as a way to make sure that they keep harmony and keep peace and keep connection with people. Twos want to keep and maintain connection with people. But for them, it's much more about the need to be seen as helpful. And so thus, they cannot have any needs themselves. So there's really a looking down on their own needs and, uh, and, and, and rejecting them. Whereas a nine is okay receiving help. A nine does not have that same problem taking help. It's just that the nine probably won't be the first to communicate their need for it. In our community, we've been talking about the need to own our voice. And there is something about certain types that tend to silence their own voice, um, especially in certain circumstances. And the two definitely has areas in which they do this. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. And twos, they want to be the rescuer. You know, they want to be the one that helps. Other. They, they love helping people. And, it's, and oftentimes it's very true to who they are. That's, that's the good part. That's the, the way they, they're made. They're made to serve the world. They're made to, to help. And they're excellent at it. It's, it's a high gift. But where it becomes a problem is when they cannot discern the difference between their own needs and the needs of the world around them. And that's where that conflation happens oftentimes. And so for them, it's, it's working at being able to separate those two. What are my needs? What are the needs of the world around me? And then some of those needs I can't meet. So can I ask for help? That's a key thing for the two is to be able to do that. They have to practice kind of pulling away at times from the world around them. And they're in this reciprocal kind of way of living. It's this, how do you see me? You know, what am I picking up from you? How do you think about me right now? And that's a constant source of input for the two. And to shut that off is really hard. And so they sort of have to pull themselves away from that to then figure out what's going on inside of me. You know, what are my emotional needs? Uh, What am I feeling about something uh, right now? That's the challenge for the two is shutting off the voices because that is fuel for them. That feeds them. And then being alone with themselves to discern what's going on. Yeah, and it doesn't feed them in the best way. (laughs) We talk about how each of the the types or the triads have a different path to health and how for the heart triad, and this is very true for the two, solitude. Yeah, and I've asked twos, threes, and fours about solitude. And the response I get is almost an immediate, oh my goodness, I don't think I can do that. And some of them who've said, oh, no, I'm I'm fine with solitude, I will distinguish the difference between introversion and its need to be alone to recharge its batteries versus shutting off that input, that constant input from the world around them. And that's when the lights go on for them. And they oftentimes realize, oh, right. I do get overwhelmed, and sometimes I pull away because I'm overwhelmed, I'm exhausted. Right, but can you pull away in the moment where you're getting all this good juice from the world around you? Can you pull away then? And the answer at that point is no way, no way, because that's that's life, right? So for twos, it's extraordinarily difficult to deliberately move away unless, again, they're so burnt out, so exhausted, so hurt that they pull away out of anger or just out of sadness. And, and that's the that's a difference. So yeah, solitude, voluntarily pulling away for the purpose of self-development is really, um, that's the hard work. So you're going to hear some good ways forward for the twos on this panel. So if you are a two, bless you, and I hope you learn from this. Uh, but also, if you have a two in your life and you recognize them through listening to this panel, maybe just send them a thank you card. <laughs> they will very much appreciate it and it will be life to them because it meets them where they are. But uh, it, it, it'll be great. So, all right, here we go. We're going to listen to the two panel. Uh, rather than give an introduction to the type, I'm going to just jump in. Uh, but tonight we're looking at the type two, and the type two is a, is a helper. Um, so uh, through the lens of, of the Enneagram, I just want to sort of ask you some questions and ask you some questions about your type, but then also ask you questions about growth and 
how you are doing in that space. And all answers are okay, whether you're in a place of, of growth or you're sort of in a place of uh, stuckness. That's okay, too. All of it is welcomed because we're all in different places in our own journey. And probably one of the greatest gifts that we can give to each other is a lot of space um, to be and, um, and to extend that space, but not the distance. Like we still embrace you and welcome you into our lives. So, all right. So talking to type twos, question for you guys is uh, generally where does your attention, are all of our attentions take us different places as human beings? And if we were to pay attention to what we pay attention to, it would tell a lot about us. Um, So throughout the day, where do you find your attention? If you're able to do some self-reflection, where do you find your attention going? Most of the time, I feel like my eyes are, you know, we're there. I guess I'm always looking outward. I'm always looking at what's going on with other people, it seems like. I can often pick up or I think I'm picking up if somebody was sad or, you know, angry or hurt or whatever. I might notice it before someone else would. Where's my attention during that? It's on work. I'm always thinking about things I have to do. Yeah. 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 And so sometimes, like for right now, I'm helping with um, fixing up Neil's house. It tends Um, to be that when I call you. Yeah. What's that? Yes. When you call me. I was in the room. You're in the project. You're you're doing something. Yes, I was. So what happens is I can leave that work, but in my head I'm going, okay, well, I did that well. and And it's hard for me to decompress from that. I thought it was interesting um, when you said, I just try to make sure that I get as much of the stuff done for so he can do what he needs to do. I think that can be where we can be kind of a lint brush to particular others, not necessarily all others, but when there is a sensing, it's a pull. Mm. And I feel pretty conscious of that now and can feel that tug of war because I know oftentimes that pull is to get me away from an inner restlessness that is going on. Like I, I feel like I'm pregnant, that I'm waiting. <laughs> well, there's many ways of being pregnant and yes. I, I think actually so are all of you. But I feel yeah. very conscious because I'm so aware that have stuff going on inside of me. Hmm. And so I am aware when I have the propensity to, oh, I'll just do this for them. Or I'll, hmm. Because I think having a focus is a really helpful thing. Hmm. <laughs> because I think I just want to give my all. <laughs> and, and not everybody wants to, you know, like be companioning. And when I say I want to give my all, it's not like I want to be showering you all with things, but it's more of, I want to know you're with me. I want to know that, that you're seeing what I see. Did you see that? I I want to share. I want to be stimulated. I want to be engaged Hmm. because then I just feel very alive. Wow. So this is why I have notes because immediately I was like, as a person who's not a two, I'm not pulled the same way you're pulled. I like that term. It's very helpful to me to understand what's going on internally, that you're feeling pulled um, and that you want to be with people so that when you share, you're, you're, that there's, it's helpful to have some reciprocity, some, some kind of feedback uh, from people. It's an instinctual see, thing. Like you see somebody drop something, 
well, wouldn't you pick it up? I mean, like, like, so that didn't seem like that was intrusive. That just seemed like they dropped it mm-hmm. here. I'm mm-hmm. right here. Some of the next questions will lead more into that, a little bit more deeply into that. So it's really good stuff. Can I just add? Yeah, please, 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 absolutely. When you mentioned about wanting to share, I find the same. (laughs) For me, I love the fact, if we're going out for dinner, I love the fact if if I can share, like, a piece of the chicken or whatever and say, what did you think of this chicken Marseille, you know? And and he's like, oh, I already ate mine. I'm all set. You know, and I just want... I just want to share the experience. There's something about that connection you make when you do that. that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I like that. It's our immediacy that is so, in, like, I mean, I'll just speak from my poor husband. Like, I, I will say, say, I say, so what did you think? And then he feels like I'm saying, oh, you're, you want to hear something. But I really mean my question. What, what did you think? I'm, I'm not looking for a certain answer, but I think it's so immediate sometimes, the response, that that, that can be overwhelming sure. to another. Yeah. 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 This is where it gets great for talking about Enneagram as it relates to, to other personalities. And that's what I really would love to get into on a weekend type of workshop. Because as I'm listening to this, I'm saying, no wonder I have missed so many opportunities with twos. Because I am so far from the two in terms of the way I think. Because that's insightful to me. And you and I had a great conversation today that was really helpful to me to understand what's going on in the mind of the two. And I'm interpreting it completely different than the way you're communicating it. So it's really incredibly helpful for for us to hear what's happening behind the scenes and not misinterpret it and assume like, you're trying to get inside here and I don't want you in here right now. Or I'm actually not interested in having that conversation about food. I couldn't care less about food. Why are we even talking about food? That may sound to somebody else like you're dismissing me, but actually it's no, no, no. I want to have a conversation with you, just not about food. But I don't communicate that. I may come off as annoyed or frustrated because I'm in the thinking triad. And so it's a a different approach. (laughs) Uh, if you didn't hear what uh, Louise said, she said, we skip thinking. Yeah. Like, that's where my thought comes from. Like, again, I work with my husband. We listen to people's stories all day. So I'm extremely porous. Like, they'll say something, and I'm feeling it in my insides. Mm. And, and I'm listening to them, but there's so many things that are going on. And, and so in the aftermath, again, I can say... What do you think? Because there's so much that is just welling up inside of me, which, and that, that makes us very immediate or again, like we can be received as being forceful or Mm. whatever, but, but it's kind of like, heck guys, if you shake up a soda, it explodes. And so, you know, you take in stuff. And so it, well, you see, you, you see things that a lot of other people don't. You see something significant that's needing uh, attention. Perhaps where people don't, like a two might come to a seven and, and pick up on, there is something really off with you emotionally. You must be hurting. And I've had twos come to me and say that. And honestly, I have zero access to that in the moment. I don't know that. But if they were, are patient with me and I'm patient with them, I start to tune into, oh, right, yes, I am feeling, I start off with, I'm stressed. 
And then it starts to move towards, oh, yeah, I had this thing happen earlier today that really hurts, and I'm carrying that still. The challenge that twos sometimes have with identity, with who are you outside of the, the world's affirmation of you, you know, and the world's thoughts of you. So maybe talk about how you've, where are you at in that space and how have you grown in developing the self apart from, you know, helping people, being connected to other people, you know, sort of the world around you. I'd like to hear about that. Um, I've got some growing to do, but I definitely have seen growth over the years. I think between things that happened in my childhood, feeling a certain measure of rejection, and not meant to be rejection as from my dad, and then not being able to make, you did you know, what we asked you to do. If you wanted something, you might be selfish. There were certain things that were communicated. And I mean, I can remember being a young kid and I, I think I was counseling my sister at eight years old. You know, she was crying, nobody loves me. And my brother, I didn't even remember. My brother told wow. me I put my arm around my sister and said, we love you. You're important to us. And, huh. you know, just little things that were just kind of throughout. So I think I always had the two eyes. I think I, you know, yeah. was always a two. Certain events have helped. I think being able to share some of those stories and process some of the grief and, and all that, I think has helped. I think some of the personalized scriptures have helped. A couple of examples. One was we had the going away party. People gave me, from it came from all different areas, but flowers thanking me for the work that we did. And after a while, it got to be like, oh, my God, you know, I got like seven things of flowers here. I don't really, you know, I don't need all these flowers, and maybe I should drop some off at the nursing home, you know, doing something good or, you know, whatever. And my niece caught me, and she said, you should keep them. They're for you. Mm. And then the verse came up in my head, how great is the love mm. that I, your heavenly Father, have wow. lavished on you. Wow. Lavished. Wow. Well, this was a perfect example of his lavishing love, that you should be called my child, yeah. the child of God, and that is what you are. Yeah. So it was a visual for me. So certain things that, and then recently I met a friend down South who's probably a little more legalistic and, you know, and, and, um, I, I contacted her, but once I contacted her, I felt like I was getting sucked down some kind of a hole, like, all right, now we can get together every day. We can pray. And then we can, you can come to church and we'll go to the Bible study. We're going to do this. And I walk every day. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is, you know, and I, Everything in me wanted to avoid her or, you know, not take the calls. You know, I didn't want to hurt her because I really do like her. I mean, she's a great girl. But I I thought I prayed all weekend. I thought I've got to just be honest. And I did. I pushed myself to be honest. And I said, I said, if you want to walk on Monday, I'll meet you. We walked. We talked. I said, you want to pray together? Yep, we prayed together. And as we were walking back to the car, I said, you know, I think the best fit for us is if we do something like this occasionally. I said, I don't, I don't sense my husband, you know, I don't sense a couple thing for us. And I said, I love my church up north. I haven't found one that I really connect with. And she, she goes, I agree. And I'm like, woo. What are we, I mean, and I sweated it all weekend because the last thing I wanted to do was hurt Pretty. this girl. Yeah. But I took the chance and, you know, I was honest and it paid off. Nice. So now we, yeah. we have a clean 
understanding, we care for one another, and there's boundaries, there's limits. I was just going to use that word, like it's, you set some boundaries, which yeah. is like growth for the two yeah. to do that. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. So again, the question is, how do you define or how do you develop and how have you developed an identity apart from the feedback of the world around you? I don't think it was so much the feedback. Like I've said before, I I knew I was alive when I am kind of partnered with someone. I think that for a long time, you know, I carried people's story. And that that was well-trained in me. I grew up in an alcoholic household. Not that it was, not that there is good alcoholism, but like, you know... it's, it's what I had, okay? So you, like, want to keep it good, you know? And so you become very aware of who the people are that are around you. And so I carried their story. So you might give me a choice, but then my first instinct is going to think, okay, that could affect this person this way, this person this way, this, this. And so I would say... You know, in my younger years, I lived a lot like that. Mm-hmm. It's great, again, when you are able to share something together. Like, I'm a learner. I really like learning. I think when I became a Christian, that that definitely was a huge change for me because it really wakened me to mm-hmm. learning. So I had something that I was going towards, and it had nothing to do with whether I was good in it or whatever. And so I think as I came to realize that I wasn't just put here to be useful in other people's lives, I remember when I first kind of became aware of being told that I was two, and I I didn't quite relate to a lot of the description of it. All I knew was that I was a companion person. But then Scott and I... um, went out for a wedding, and Scott was actually the one um, uh, officiating the wedding. And normally, a lot of times, Scott and I do things together. And I remember sitting there thinking, like, I kind of felt naked. Like, I'm not doing anything. You know, like, it's so, do I even exist? And God was so kind to me. It was like, no, you're just on withdrawal. You're fine. You're, you're welcome here. And so I, I think it is just really being able to know that, that I am. I, and, and so that's been very important to me for like the past 20 years or something of, I think the greatest gift we can give to God is to say, yes, I am. Mm. And, and I have to catch myself when I am, like I said, carrying other people's lives in my head of, oh, to do this would mean this for them, or they must feel like this, like you did a great job with that woman. All of a sudden, it was like, yep, she might think those, but this is what I want, and and that was great. Yeah. Very interesting. Very, um, I hope you're picking up on some of the to kind of vibe, energy, experience, attention, where the attention of the mind goes, where the attention of the heart goes, and also where the attention of the body goes. The mind tends to go out, looking out at who we can help. The heart goes towards connection with people, and the body goes right into action. What do I do 
to serve other people. But I find it interesting how the narratives, people's stories, people's lives can take so much space in the head of a two that there's very little room for the two. In reality, there's a part, I think, that we are very afraid of ourselves. And so even when I'm trying to stay with myself, I can weave a story that turns me into a bad guy so that I have to go out and do something. Okay. And you see, I have just been manipulated by my own thoughts of that I'm so bad because I actually don't want to do whatever the thing is. But I'm so afraid mm-hmm. if I'm not doing that, I'm going to have that antsy feeling inside of what do you want, Louise? Or would you like to really experience that? And of how, you know, for me, it comes back to self-care at times or ways of being able to, yes, succeed at something. Because, again, you can think that twos want lots of attention. I don't think that's true. I think they want to be seen. I think for many of us, like, you're going to send away the flowers. Like, it's like, all right, it's very hard to take in anything. Let's... Let's just kind of like, again, let's just be together, you know, and, and you tell me what you know, and I'll tell you what I know. And like, that would be so great. I don't understand why we get interrupted. <laughs> so um, last question I have for, for you guys is uh, it's particularly challenging for twos to, uh, to be cared for, to be on the receiving end of someone else's serving your needs. Not that you don't want help or that you, you, as you said, you want to be seen, but there's a part of the vulnerability or the feeling like you're the one who is needy that um, oftentimes to describe, twos describe as very, you know, something they push down and push away real quick and immediately go to who needs what. I prefer that. And that's much easier for me to work with that. So how have you done with this space of being cared for by people that love you, that are already in relationship with you, being vulnerable, being open, being able to know what it is that you're feeling and you're needing at a deeper level, not just like, could you do the dishes? Could you give me a ride somewhere? But something at a deeper level that allows you to be seen as one who also is in need and receiving that care from people around you. So it's a very wordy kind of question, but I'm trying to get access to it and and use different words because for every two, it's very different too in terms of how they experience that. But maybe talk about that part and how are you doing in, in growing in that respect? I would say that I'm getting better. As far as like in general self-care, I'm not great at it. The other day, I thought, you are not going to do any work today. And I I made myself not do it. And initially, it was really hard. But then Mm -hmm. I booked a pedicure, and I went for that, and we had lunch out. And it was a good day, and I enjoyed it. But I had to make myself make that choice. It wasn't like I was going to jump to do it. Um, Needs, I don't think we had needs when we were kids. Mm. My mother had a lot of needs, but I don't think we did. (laughs) Honoring the self and making opportunities to go, okay, what do you really need? I mean, it's a challenge. It's what, it, like what some, my husband can come up with a million different things. I'd like to ride motorcycle. I'd like to jump out of a plane. I'd like to do this. I don't want to do that. And I'm sitting there going, what would I like? Um, 
I can't, a lot of times, I, I don't spend a lot of time dreaming about what I would like. Some of it is I think I'm sad. I feel like I've got so much that I don't really think I need anymore. Like I'm, I'm pretty content with what I have. So I don't spend a lot of time dreaming about what I don't have. But um, Okay, but let me press this in a little ahead. bit more because okay. it's, it's, it's a really beautiful thing that twos have, this tremendous natural ability. And what Growth Panels is about is not about telling a two, stop being a two, mm-hmm. become something else. Yeah. And a lot of people hear that in some of these things. And I want to say emphatically, no, that is not the goal. We want you to be twos and actually be even more of a two in every dimension of being helpful and engaged in the world around you. It's just that there's a shadow side, there's a a dark side to the light side, right? That can sometimes sabotage the the, the positive end of things or the gift that you have to give. So it's just about dealing with that piece so that your two-ness and your ability to serve the world around you is is even more on fire. But it doesn't come with the other stuff of like, uh, I don't know what my own needs are. I have them. And I'm trying to meet them by serving other people around mm-hmm. me. And mm-hmm. hopefully somehow in that process have my needs met. Or I'm trying to get in relationship with people to feel loved. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I'm loving them, but I'm not really allowing myself to be loved. Receiving so this is the, the yeah. right? So that's the challenge yeah. is, is sort of like what you talked about it the is. verses yeah. and how they spoke to you. It was very emotional and beautiful and very powerful. It, that's the part that I'm, I'm more getting at is how are you allowing yourself to be loved by other people. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't have a lot of needs. I've never met a two with a lot of needs. I've, I've met twos that is just immediately like, and I ask them how you're doing. I bet all of your answers are pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, good, fine. You know, yeah. like there's not a yeah. whole lot of self-reflection, but. Like deceived. <laughs> yeah, right. I only say fine because I don't want to lose it. And okay. I, good. you know, when you speak of need, like to have a need is a pretty dangerous place for many of us. So okay. if I'm going to express my need, I, I can be reduced to feeling like I'm an infant. I feel mm. so helpless mm. in that place. And I feel ashamed that I feel okay. helpless okay. in that place. And I feel like I should know. I should know how to do this. I think that that's where the two might go and do something, not necessarily because they want to be needed, but they got to get away from that place, which is so dangerous. Mm. Why would I allow that place to be touched when you, you said it? My mom had the needs. You, you didn't have permission. So, so don't, don't wake that place in me. Okay. You know? And yeah. so that's, I think, yeah. where, I, I mean, I obviously can't speak for all twos, but I think many twos are misrepresented. It's not necessarily that they don't have needs, right. and, but there is a real strong protection or a stone that says, we can't go here, you know? No, and, no. you know, I, I confess, like, I, I know I have needs. I don't know how to really be able to hold. I think one of the growing things for two is to be able to hold things, to hold their own, like for me to have to say, I really need you to help me do this. Even though it looks like the simplest thing, for me, it is like hitting the most primary, you know, and I know that makes no sense, but that's where my needs lay. I mean, like this year, I I started to pray to know Jesus in his swaddling clothes. I'm so grateful for Jesus in his older years. That has 
you know, he has taught me so much. He has accompanied me so much. But it's his panic young place. That's where I need to know him. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. It's very, very insightful stuff there. Mm. You guys have articulated a lot. Um, it's been very helpful to, I think, to all of us to hear, um, you know, what goes on in the two and how the two thinks and feels and, and, and behaves. And, um, and, and then also understanding how even just the saying no and having boundaries is a way of expressing uh, to the world around you, this is also how to love me, is to respect my no, you know? For you, as you mentioned, like, um, don't be deceived into thinking that because all of us two say, no, I'm, I'm good, that that means that that's true. And to maybe give patience and room. But what I'll do is I'll ask the audience, because they may have some questions, but that would be one of my questions, would be, how do we, how do we love twos? How do we help, you know, you on your own journey, your own path? And maybe think about that. But I also want to open it up to you guys. So you guys get a chance to ask some questions, and then we'll take a little break. Go ahead. You guys talked about instinct, about naturally jumping in and helping. And that's kind of been my role since God knows when. So how do you like know the difference between the impulsivity and it being a natural instinct and that it's okay to be the helper? I think it's awareness. Like initially when you hear that, it feels so critical. Like, again, because it seemed like such an obvious thing to do. And you really meant it. Like It wasn't like, because I think that's a bad rap to get that supposedly, what do you want to get out of this? You know, like, that's like kind of a drag. Okay, so then you're stuck with this part of you that has this leaping heart. And that's where I said the whole waking to a consciousness of that we don't think. See, it, it, it comes from within. There's an emotional thing and, and that sends us forward. And so... For me, I started praying, asking God to teach me to think, to, to show me. And, and so that it's not a critical thing because it's an awareness. It's a waking. I was doing water aerobics and it was like getting towards winter. And I had run down there, but Scott came to pick me up and, and he had a letter he wanted mailed. And I have wet hair, and, but, but he says, will you mail this letter? And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. I get out of the car. And I realized, oh, I have to go down a block. I have to cross the traffic. And it's really, it's cold and my hair is wet. And I'm thinking, oh, I, that, I don't, this wasn't really a great idea. So I get back in the car and I say, I, I don't think that was such a great idea that I mailed the letter. So then Scott kind of felt attacked by me saying that because, of course, I say it so quickly, you know, but I'm not thinking it. I'm just speaking my stream of consciousness, which is kind of a problem I have. I'm so sharing uh, we kind of got a little bit in a spat. He's like, you know, well, I didn't have to pick you up. And I'm like, yeah, well, I didn't have to make you dinner before I left. And then, and then it was like, okay, wait a minute, where's this going? And then he, he goes, well, you could have said something. And part of me is like, well, you could have said something different too. But, but those words, you could have said something. All of a sudden, they really stuck with me. And I got into the house and I was going, you could have said something. I never thought to say anything. There was no space in between. And so that's made me conscious. Yeah. Yeah, really good. The two is the heart. Two, three, fours. But yet you hear them in their heads so much, right? Like you hear them thinking so quick, acting so quick, reacting to life. But their heart is what motivates them. Yeah, what's driving the whole thing is the impulse of 
The stimulus, I should say, is what's happening. They're being stimulated by what they are feeling and immediately bypassing the rational part of the brain, which is, it's not bypassing thought entirely, but it's bypassing the reflective part, the rational brain that stops and says, should I be doing this? Is this something I want to do? Is this something I'm supposed to do? It goes from what I feel and what I'm picking up on as a need around me to body. So it's heart to body, right to action, right to motion. Understanding that heart triad people tend to move from heart and what they pick up in the world. So it's not just unique to the twos. Um, that heart triad people tend to pick up on the vibes around them or within themselves and then immediately go to that. But what I want to say, too, about the twos is, and about everybody, every, every number in the Enneagram has to have a pause somewhere in their pattern. That's the self-awareness component, without which there's no changing anything in what we do. Until we see the pattern that goes automatic, that either goes heart to head head to, you know, action, body to, you know, to head or whatever the pattern is. Once you see it, that's probably the most powerful thing because then you have the opportunity to start seeing it live, not just in reflection, like in a moment like this right here, seeing it happen. Oh yeah, I do that. But then the next time it shows up, you'll see it or you'll see it at least a day later. You'll say, oh, I did that yesterday. And Hopefully you get closer and closer, which it will happen. You'll start to have it happen in the moment as it's, you know, the event is taking place. And that's where you have the ability to hack that. That's the next step. How do I stop that? How do I interrupt that automatic pattern? And then the question is, with it, what do I now do instead of that? Because nothing is not an option. I have to do something different and uh, this is where uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola uh, calls it contra agere, which is go against, going against the natural patterns. And so now you do the opposite of what your type wants you to do. And when you do the opposite, it unhitches the whole thing. The whole thing begins to fall apart because the system is dependent upon that happening. Your system is dependent upon you doing that. So when you do the opposite of that, this is what a lot of my clients are discovering and I'm discovering as I practice this in my own type is going against the type. And I failed a few times this week and I could tell, I could tell it was, it was evident, but when I'm doing it and instead of for me as a seven consuming and going and trying to grab and chase and pursue. And I say right now, I don't want to be really present with the people I'm with right now. I'm wanting to run to something else that's fun is if I dial down and breathe in and say, that's what's going on, that's the self-awareness. What's the, what's the hack? What's the new pattern? The new pattern is I have everything that I need right here, right now. Everything. There's nothing I need. I have it right here. So be present to the people around you. But I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying. Yes, that's the right kind of death you need to die. And then the magical thing that happens is that I find myself actually not having that stimulus driving anymore. That'll come back the next day or the day after. <laughs> but at that moment, it passes, and I'm deeply present to the world around me. So that's for every type, that that's how it works. This is so much fun. Thank you, twos. You guys are beautiful people. Thank you.
Thanks again for joining us. Hopefully you feel a little bit normal as we see how each of us think and how each of us grow, and we are all so different. If you want to join the band of misfits here over on Facebook, you can find us at the Enneagram Panels podcast uh, Facebook page. Um, If you're interested in coaching, life coaching, especially using the Enneagram, you can contact Joel through his website, which is www.joelhubbard.com. And there's a link in the show notes. Thanks to this podcast and a few other things. He is pretty full, but I think there are a couple spots that he has opened. It's an honor for me to host this podcast and also produce it. So all music and production is by Jim Zartman at Talkie Records Studios. You can contact me through www.jimzartman.com and my wife, Abby, and I. Uh, I was on the 8 panel. She was on the 9 panel. We are also going to be starting some couples coaching. So couples coaching couples using specifically the Enneagram as well as the other tools as we try to design relationships of compassion and curiosity. This podcast is made possible by Vine 39 Church and Talkie Records. If you can leave us a review on iTunes, it helps people find the show, and we really appreciate everyone who's done that. So thank you so much, and until next time, keep growing. Keep growing.